and I was being hounded by the producer of the BBC. I went to the, um, the uh, Virgin-sponsored um, tech track, and Richard Branson stood on stage and said, anyone want to come on a safari with me? And I was like, oh, yeah, why not? And he said, for this much money. And I was kind of like, oh, God, I could buy a Porsche. <laughs> and uh, I kind of sat there, and everyone's looking at me going, don't do it, Piers, don't do it. I keep hands, and I was like, no. And I put my hand in the air. Anyway, we ended up, I ended up at Richard's uh, private game reserve at Ulusaba in the Kruger National Park in South Africa. It's like, a, it's like a bond lair. It's basically the bush, and it's that rocky outcrop with a satellite dish on it. I tried to hide with some fake tree. <laughs> and then um, I was sat there thinking... My phone kept ringing, and these producers are kind of saying, are you going to join Dragon's Den or not? And I, I did a program called The Secret Millionaire, which is a bit like Undercover Boss in a way, but you sort of go into a community and reveal yourself. And I kind of thought that was okay because it was a one hit. Dragon's Den's a different thing, and it's quite time consuming as well. Mm. And I kind of thought, who can I, who can I talk to about business, the media, the interaction between the two, how you cope with that, how it helps your business? And I kind of, and Richard Branson literally saw me sort of puzzling and said, are you all right? And I said, not really, no. And he said, well, do you want to chat? We had a corona. And I said, I'll give him the story. And he said, um, cut the long story short, he said, screw it, just do it. He actually said that. And he said, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would get on a plane for a good TV spot back in the day. So he said, the power is, you know, digital media is great, but mm. Love Island's got 10 million viewers, things like that. You know, they, they walk out of there with a million followers. Yeah. So he did, did not underestimate the power of traditional media. And he said to me, right, we'll ring them up. And I said, okay, I'll do that. He said, no now. And I maybe ring them and said, I'm in. And that's what ended up on TV. Wow. Then he's wandered off and left me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup You, inspiring, educating, and connecting the startup community to help you make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, Virgin mentor, and founder of Startup You, the regional delivery partner for Virgin Startup. Each episode provides the story of an entrepreneur who talks us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. Welcome to episode 151 of Screw It, Just Do It. I am Alex Chisnell, and on today's show, my guest is Piers Lenny, the first ever repeat guest I've had on the show, and also our headline speaker at this Autumn's Entrepreneur Summit 2019 in Bournemouth on October the 17th. Now, for those of you who listened to Saturday's episode, number 150, with me and also those of you who follow me on social media, at Alex Chisnell, I talked about finishing 75 hard and also I decided to take a piece of my own advice, decided to screw it, just do it, finish up with Virgin Startup after four years and launch my own podcast agency. Now, I just wanted to reiterate my thanks to all of you who have subscribed and listened to this show from all over the world over the last two years or so and helped me get to 150 episodes. This show is now downloaded in 126 countries, five more than last week. We've had number ones for both business and technology, and for that, I thank you. So I've decided to run a competition and get a couple of you to join myself, peers, and all the other amazing speakers we've got at this year's summit on October the 17th. You get to hang out with me and the team, meet peers and the other speakers like Lush's Rowena Bird, Grenade's Alan and Juliet Barrett. 
We'll take you for dinner, you get to attend the after parties, maybe we'll shoot some content as well. Um, you get a really cool goodie bag. Uh, what more can I tell you? Full details um, about the Entrepreneur Summit 2019. Um, you just need to go to my partner's website on this who are helping me with this year's event, co-hosting it. You literally just need to go to sunnybirdpr.com forward slash entrepreneur dash summit dash 2019. I'm just going to repeat that. Full details, just go to sunnybirdpr.com forward slash entrepreneur slash summit slash 2019. And as I said, if you follow me on social, I'll also put a link to that in the show notes for this episode. So you can just scroll down and have a look. Or as I said, at Alex Chisnell um, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. You'll be able to see my posts um, about this. The Instagram has got a direct link to the events. Likewise, um, Facebook. So um, what else can I tell you? What do you need to do? So just go to either iTunes or scroll down on your Apple Podcast app that you're listening to the show on where it says ratings and reviews. Click leave a review. Simply write one. It could be as simple as you'd like it to be. Screenshot that review and email alex at screwitjustdoit.org. That's alex at screwitjustdoit.org. And we'll pick a couple of winners. So thanks to our latest review, which comes from GEL-L-TJ, who says, brilliant, insightful, encouraging, and great guests. Superb show. I thank you kindly. So back to today's show and my first ever repeat guest, Piers Linney. I chatted to Piers in front of a live audience at WeWork in London with the 72 founders from Antler's London cohort, Antler are the startup generator and early stage VC, which is helping the world's most brilliant and determined people build global businesses from the ground up. I'm also honored to be an Antler advisor. So despite leaving Virgin Startup, I'm still helping entrepreneurs start, grow and scale their businesses. Have a listen to episode 137 with Antler founder Magnus Grimland. For more information or simply go to antler.co. So this interview with Piers is one great interview, if I do say so myself. Literally every couple of minutes is an absolute golden nugget. From Piers, for those of you who are looking for help, overcoming challenges in your business, even looking to start a business, um, I'm going to cut straight to my intro in front of our live audience with Antler in London. Um, we talked about many things. Um, he's got uh, he's accomplished so much in such a relatively short period of time. He's just released a brand new course, Startup with Piers Linney, um, which I'll put the link for in the notes as well. Um, and yeah, this is one great interview. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know by leaving um, a review, screenshot it, email it over to alex at screwitjustdoit.org and you could be joining us in Bournemouth on October the 17th for our Entrepreneur Summit 2019. Without further ado, let's start up.
Piers always does a really long intro whenever I look at what he's done and accomplished in a relatively short period of time. So for those of you um, who don't know Piers, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure you've done a couple of things in the last year as well. Um, so Piers is an entrepreneur and investor who has experienced across a whole wide range of different sectors focusing on technology, which is obviously um, what a lot of you guys are founding your businesses, uh, telecommunications, um, as well as health, fitness and well-being. He's also the non-executive director of the British Business Bank, and he's also a trustee for Nesta, which is the £450 million innovation fund. He's also been recognised in the top 100 most influential Black Britons, Entrepreneur of the Year, and he sat on the Cabinet Office for the SME panel and the board of Tech UK. And he's got a number one podcast in the last year. I have, yeah. Called... Rethinking business. Rethinking business. Rethinking business. With Nat West, I hasten to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, so, I thought it'd be really relevant for where you guys are in your timeline with regards to your seven weeks in. Is that right? Um, so, seventy-two founders uh, looking to start businesses, find co-founders, come up with the ideas for your businesses, and then pitch um, for investments um, and. Given that Piers has been on all sides of that fence and has been a dragon on Dragon's Den, listen, listening to people to pitch for investment, he's been the entrepreneur um, asking for investment and he's been the advisor advising the entrepreneurs uh, for asking for money. I thought there's probably no better person um, that you guys could listen to and, and ask his advice uh, for where you are in your journey right now. So, Can I add a bit more? So I'm also, by training, a venture capital lawyer. That's my background in the city. And after that, I was an investment banker at Credit Suisse. So I did mergers and acquisitions, leveraged buyouts. Then I ran a venture capital fund and a hedge fund. So any questions about structuring a venture capital deal or finance, I can cover those too. So I told you I'd miss something out. <laughs> and he's only 29. You wouldn't believe he's accomplished all that in his life. Um, so he's also just released a course um, that he spent nine months putting a course together for startups. So again, his, his knowledge on what he's actually been reading about and helping. We've done quite a few events together between Manchester and London. Um, his podcast course is speaking to people. Um, sorry, his podcast with, with Nat West speaking to startup scale up businesses again. So um, I think 72 lessons for entrepreneurs looking to start a business. Is that what you've ended up recording? 10 hours. Right, okay. So what are you excited about right now, given everything that we've just mentioned between us? Um, so I, I spend a lot of time working with entrepreneurs, people like yourself. Uh, sort of, I, do, I do startups and also scale-ups. Scale-ups are to me, any company that wants to grow, not just a big company that's trying to scale up. Um, and I've been really, I spent sort of two years thinking about what to do next after I got out of a couple of businesses. And I've got a portfolio that I sort of manage as well, my own portfolio. I've been looking at what to do, really, what next. And, mm. I, and I thought, should I invest in some companies and go plural? But I got bored. Uh, so I kind of thought, I need to do something. I want to run something. So I've been looking at various industries, some I know and some I don't. And it's very interesting talking to the entrepreneurs on the podcast, actually. Mm. So one of the founders of Made.com, another guy in dentistry, talked about the Blue Ocean strategy and looking at sort of uh, markets and how to disrupt them. Mm. And, I, and I sort of went back to my own where I started really in business, which is uh, sort of mobile, telecoms and cloud. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of working on a, my own startup. And it's quite nice to do it myself actually, rather than having lots of people doing it for me. So I'm yeah. kind of in the detail myself. Nice. So customer service might be me answering the phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and 
what about Atherton as well? Because you come in as a co-fan with Atherton Bikes. Because I've just seen... How could I forget Atherton Bikes? Yeah, remind me the name um, of Lady, because she just got injured, I was saying. Rachel. Rachel, that's yeah. it. Tell me a little bit about Atherton so I'm Bikes. I'm a big mountain biker. And um, there's kind of... Um, the Athertons are kind of the Lewis Hamilton of mountain biking. And there's three siblings, there's two brothers and, a, and a, the sister. And they're based all world champions. They've, she's won it six times. Yeah. Uh, G's won it once. And uh, Dan's won races. They've got the whole world champ. I got a message on Instagram saying, I was like, wow, Jefferson's messaging me. What does he want? <laughs> and I kind of met them and they, they had an idea. And they, they are, these are sort of riding on the edge pro athletes who are Red Bull sponsors. You know, they are they're amazing, actually. And they had, some, they had an idea where they wanted to use them. Um, okay. so, but they couldn't put it together. So mm. I've worked with them for about, about a year now and we put the business together. And we've been prototyping the product. So the idea is, is that mountain bikes typically are sort of steel or tubes welded together mm. or it's a carbon fiber and carbon fiber they build it by laying out carbon so if you want to change the design you have to get your feedback from the, the racetrack the athletes look at the design change the design send it to taiwan normally mm. they lay it out it takes take two months wow okay. whereas with us they can ride on the track they can think that's not quite right give feedback to the team they're all basically aerospace engineers and they go into the cad they change the design we 3D print the joints in titanium. So we've got a big machine. The factory looks like a, like a washing machine. Yeah. It's got three lasers in, and it 3D prints this titanium huh. joints. And we put the tubes in, and that builds a frame. Wow. So we can actually get feedback from the racetrack, print a bike, uh, put it together, deliver it back to them in about two weeks. Wow. And what that means is, we, and clearly in um, any industry now, you know, personalization, customization is becoming more important you've got to move up that value pyramid. If you're down the bottom, you have to get Amazon, the likes of that. So mm. the idea here is, is that they're quite expensive bikes, mm. but you can customize it to your geometry, your riding style, your height, your weight, the whole thing. And now we're looking at e-bikes as well. Really? And then Rachel actually, and G have both won World Cups on this bike now, and it's still a prototype. Wow, that's pretty powerful yeah. social proof then. <laughs> yeah. so it's like a passion project. Yeah, yeah. But with passion projects, I would say you need to have Passion, skill, and a market. If you've got no market, it's a hobby. Mm. If you've got no skill, you're going to fail. So you've got to be, got to be slightly careful about it. Mm. And if you've got no passion, really, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. And uh, I looked at it and said, well, you've got the, the technology's great. You still got to sell bikes. But what the Appertons bring to the table is this, you know, couple of million followers on social media. So the, the routes to market are there, the interest. Mm. Uh, it's just, we're just trying to get the first bike to market now. So do you divide up your time now? <laughs> How? You spend like maybe a day or two? I wake up and look at my diary and think, oh God. It's like this morning, I was like, where am I? <laughs> um, Somewhere um, in London. I kind of, well, I suppose any business, if you've got a portfolio of interests, things flare up. Mm. It's a good and bad. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to go and put a fire out or sometimes you need some help to grow or close a deal. And because of my background, um, I have sat, I've been the banker, the lawyer, the mm. investor. I've made money, I've lost money. I put companies into administration. I put my own companies into administration. I've fired myself. <laughs> so I've kind of, I've literally twice, I've kind of been around every side of that table. So what it gives me is quite an interesting perspective where I can, I can kind of, I know what the other person's thinking, mm. uh, depending what side of the table I'm on. I bet you probably get asked for advice all the time, especially if people recognize you in Manchester or London? In the street, men's toilets, bars, uh, an ethicist table, literally put a mask on me, ask questions about his wife's business. No. Put, me to, put me to sleep, probably a rubbish answer. <clears throat> and um, <laughs> so anywhere I go, 
and and I, and I, I like to give it, yeah. but it's very hard. What I find, I'm too nice. So someone will ask me, and I'll say, you know, can you give me a bit of advice? I'll say yes. Mm. And before you know it, it's five emails. Yeah. And when I've got five of those, it just doesn't work. I can't, I can't scale I myself up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so to scaling that and we're, you know, being in the information age, there's probably never a time where there's more information out there on how to start, grow, scale a business. But do you think too much information out there and it's not put in the correct structure and that's where you come in and you can actually add different layers of value given you kind of cover every point. So what happened was I was sort of, people ask me questions and they're quite basic questions. It's not kind of, you know, how do you, you know, what 3D printing machine would you use for titanium? <laughs> it's not those kind of questions. Mm. It's just really, and I, I was always quite surprised actually that given the amount of information that's out there, the amount of support for startups, that they can't access these answers. So I went on the internet as you do, on YouTube, there's all these people saying, you know, if you go vegan, run a marathon, have a millionaire mindset, you're going to be successful. And that's just nonsense. It doesn't work like that at all. Mm. So I sort of thought, well, there must be some way, they can, a course or something. I couldn't find it. So I kind of thought, right, maybe I'll put some content. So I do like YouTube videos on LinkedIn quite a lot. Did a lot of sort of content. And through that, I started working with brands like Cisco and NatWest. But there was nothing out there that sort of did it for me. So mm. I sort of thought, what's needed is a course and you can't go into detail of every business every sector it'd be a degree yeah, yeah. Um, so what I've tried to do is sort of say if you had a mentor or you're a family friend who's an experienced in business or an entrepreneur and you went to them and said look what should I do about this and how do I hire a salesperson mm. you know what's the difference between capital gains tax and income tax how does that impact me basic stuff and they gave you an answer mm. and said if you want to know more go and look here it's kind of that level right. so it's kind of having that purse in your pocket 24-7, mm. but it nearly killed me making it. <laughs> just took nine months yeah, and editing. Wow. But so, so it's there now, it's not really a... It's not, no, it's evergreen it's not really then, a isn't business, it? It's, really. just, it's, more, it's just there. People yeah. ask me now, I can sort yeah. of say, here you go, it's not free, but no, no, here no. it is. Yeah. And um, the feedback's been really good. Good. And, and also I think with something like that, and also with a podcast, which we've, we would both do, um, that's there for life. That's, you know. The podcasts are great there, they are. Yeah. I think the podcasts, if you listen to Alex's podcast or the, the one that I've done, I mean, I've learned a lot myself just from sitting yeah, down yeah. with these entrepreneurs at all stages. Mm. You've spoken to quite a few who've, still relatively young, but they've yeah. achieved some amazing They're things. Very quickly, yeah. Yeah, that, that chat, remind me of the name with the sports company. Um, it, uh, I can't remember the name now. Um, net services. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So people he, like that. He, he built that, and he, he was very sort of passionate about holding on to every single share. And yeah. he said he gave his mum and dad a share each. So that's how paranoid he was about. <laughs> and some people that's great sometimes, you know, because you sell a company for. If you sell a company, I've, I've seen this a lot. I've seen friends of mine who've sold companies for fifty million, and they're kind of like, I'm like well, fair enough. And like, yeah, but I own two percent. Yeah. I know a guy who floated his company of 80 million, he's built it to 400 million, and he owned 98% when he floated it, and now he's down to 50. Mm. That's quite nice. So the thing about being an entrepreneur is, and, it's, and I'm sure I'm going to talk to you about this, is that equity is gold dust at the end of the day. And that's why you're doing it. You're not doing it for you know, the glory. You're mm. doing it because you want to create equity value. So yeah. when you're handing out shares, whether it's to investors or people joining your team, you've got to structure that very, very carefully, especially people who are joining your team, because no matter how good you think they are, even your co-founders, I hate to say as well, you've got to structure it very carefully because people don't always make it to the finishing line. And what you don't want is a business where you start out, all these people, and in year one, they will leave. And in year 15, you sell it, mm. and they've all got the same equity stake. So yeah, yeah. 
is, is there a figure that you kind of keep to? Is there, is there no, no, it's, it's all, um, it's, yeah. it depends on the situation. Okay. But always think about equity. If you're giving it out, make sure you can get it back. Mm. And where do you think you can add the most value? And is, is there a plan to go, you know, talking startups now to then move to like growth stage and then scale-ups? Would you cover some of that in...? Well, I'd like to do a scale-up course. Well, there's two, two problems with that. One is I haven't got the time. <laughs> and <laughs> secondly, scale-ups are it's a much more in-depth in sort of um, process the information. So I might do one which is more about discussions of people who've done it, make it a bit okay. more sort of interactive. Yeah, but it's just yeah. finding the time to do that. For right now, I've kind of done that and I'm starting to focus on starting my business. And who do you look for advice then? Where does a Pease Lenny look for advice? You must have a pretty good so network. I've never had a mentor. Um, I've, I've worked in the city and I've always looked, reached out to people. I've always tried to work with people that are better than me. Sounds like an obvious one here, that a lot. Mm. But it's so true is that if, you, if you're not learning from people, then... I don't know, there's something wrong. And I've always really, they could tell you a few things which you remember for your whole life. Yeah. But never sort of a systematic mentoring. So, and mentoring is very specific. People say, I want to mentor, will you be my mentor? You've got to think about mentoring. It's a process and you need structure to it. You need to say, right, why are you doing it? What do you want? What do I want to get out of it? What's the time frame? Mm. What are we going to, how are we going to do this? You've got to structure it. And, yeah. Um, it can be time consuming. Yeah, I mean, even doing the Virgin Startup stuff, like I've done what they've, literally found now that used to offer a year's worth of mentoring and now they've scaled it back to like six months of group mentoring online and then six months with one-to-one -one because they're just finding so many early stage businesses because you can only help those under two years didn't know actually what they actually wanted from a mentor so i'm on the board of british business bank so it's a government development bank so we've probably put about over 12 billion now into uk businesses and we fund the startup loans scheme as well that's that's British business bank money, <clears throat> and that's fascinating seeing what's out there in the market because you get to see a lot. They're more mm. kind of growth companies. Yeah. But the the point that you, what you get to see there's a lot of capital out there. Mm. It's a question of making sure you're in the right place in the right state to access it. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> a question I've asked you before, but might be relevant for this audience. Like say when you, when you were looking for advice, remind me of the story. Weren't you? Uh, um, in Olasabra in South Africa, at Richard Branson's place, and he had the offer to go on Dragon's Den. Yeah, so the other, the other thing is, is just be cheeky. You'd be surprised, especially if you're an entrepreneur, I think you'll find entrepreneurs can probably add more value in terms of advice than someone that spent years being a lawyer or a banker, whatever it might be. They, they can add a huge amount of value. So I was being asked to go on Dragon's Den. I cut this story quite short, but so I'll give you the short version. And I was being hounded by the producer of the BBC. I went to the, um, the uh, Virgin-sponsored um, tech track. And Richard Branson stood on stage and said, anyone want to come on a safari with me? And I was like, oh, yeah, why not? And he said, for this much money. And I was kind of, oh, God, I could buy a Porsche. <laughs> and uh, I kind of sat there and everyone's looking at me going, don't do it, Piers, don't do it. I keep your hands and I was like, no. And I put my hand in the air. Anyway, look, we ended up, I ended up at Sir Richard's uh, private game reserve at Ulusaba in the Kruger National Park in South Africa. It's like a, it's like a bond lair. It's basically the bush. And it's that rocky outcrop with a satellite dish on it. I tried to hide with some fake tree. <laughs> and then um, I was sat there thinking, my phone kept ringing and these producers are kind of saying, are you going to join Dragon's Den or not? And I did a program called The Secret Millionaire, which is a bit like undercover boss in a way, but you sort of go into a community and reveal yourself. And I kind of thought that was okay because it was a one hit. Dragon's Den's a different thing and it's quite time consuming as well. Mm. And I kind of thought, who can I 
who can I talk to about business, the media, the interaction between the two, how you cope with that, just how it helps your business. And I kind of, and Richard Branson literally saw me sort of puzzling and said, you were right? And I said, not really, no. And he said, well, do you want to chat? We had a corona. And I said, I'll come the story. And he said, um, cut the long story short, he said, screw it, just do it. Yes, he said that. And he said, look, yeah, yeah, I would get on a plane for a good TV spot back in the day. So he said, the power is, you know, digital media is great, but mm. Love Island's got 10 million viewers, things like that. You know, they, they walk out of there with a million followers. Yeah. So he did, did not underestimate the power of traditional media. And he said to me, right, we'll ring them up. And I said, okay, I'll do that. He said, no, now. And I maybe ring them and said, I'm in. And that's what ended up on TV. Wow. Then he's wandered off and left me. <laughs> <laughs> what a cool story. Are you surprised when you look at it now? And I don't know if you, you, you watch it, but you see like Peter Jones is still on there so many series later. I surprise you. So, uh, being really honest with you, I've never said this before, but um, when I was on Dragon's Den, it was, they, they wanted to change it up. And at the time, I was sort of, you know, it was quite time consuming and they couldn't really commit to when they were going to film. And that was coming about a problem. I had a board of directors. I wasn't mm. Peter Jones who could do what the hell he wants. I had yeah. people saying, where are you? What are you doing? Um, and they could see the value of it, but also it took a lot of my time. And at the time, my share price went down the toilet. And the BBC were like, ooh. And I sort of thought, you know what? And I left. Right. I thought, you know, it's interesting how the media, the Dragon's Den's, very hard to do business on TV. The detail of business is boring. Mm. So on TV, when you see Dragon's Den and someone says, and they haven't invested because they don't like his brand or because he's crying. That's not why I didn't invest. I didn't invest because they wanted me to invest, take a minority interest in a UK subsidiary of a Canadian franchise. It was a legal structure that most people watching TV would glaze over mm. and go and watch Gogglebox, whatever it's called. So <laughs> yeah. it's quite hard to do on TV business and Dragon's Den's, I think, the best representation of it. Mm. But um, I was the first person on there really to do proper tech. So I invested in um, Lost My Name, which is now called Wonderbly, which That's is a right. personalised children's box, which um, is now backed by Google. So I did quite well out of Dragon's Den, assuming the exit. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that business has done really well. But I was the first to do tech it was five israeli five israeli uh, phds walk out so we're going to do personalized kids books and i've got a vc who's already signed a term sheet i was like what's there not to like yeah so the dragon's <laughs> then i sort of said yeah and i put i put um 100 grand in for five percent which and in the green room where you kind of wait for the next screening all the dragons are like are you nuts that's not what this is about that's not going to work and i said well we'll see and it's probably the most successful Probably the most successful business off Dragon's Den instead of this tech. It's like I think I've read that a few times, like two years back. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was the most, successful, the most successful investment. So hopefully, mm. that's, it, it, I sort of proved that you can do it, but yeah. it, it is a punt. Mm. Um, who would you say is the most influential person in your life? I've seen like posting about your mum before. Who would you say? My mum. Your mum. Yeah, yeah. Keep saying to me, get a proper job. <laughs> uh, Still. It's see the podcast come out as it appears you still need to get a proper I, job I'll tell you what I learned and I've, what I learned was you all think you know everything and like oh you know I'm an experienced experienced that and there's been a few things so my mum was from Barbados she's like a, a black woman and my dad's this like uh, working class lad from Manchester who was very bright and he got to Cambridge mm. but in those days you kind of you went back home afterwards as well so he kind of worked in uh, management and quite a few times I've gone home and I've said something my dad's like nah you know what that doesn't sound right. It's, it's, you shouldn't be, no, I don't know. I'm kind of like, oh, what do you know? Oh, come on. And my mum said things to me as well. And a year later, having dinner, and they're sitting there going, told you. 
<laughs> so it's quite interesting that um, you, you, there's no monopoly on you know, advice or creativity or innovation or knowledge. And mm. so what, what they have is they know me. So gut reactions, gut reactions don't work if you just have a gut reaction. So I can't have a gut reaction of whether to put something to space on Blue Origin or Space. I haven't got a clue. But if you say to me, have you got to what's your feeling about this? And it's about an investment structure or venture capital deal or business. Mm. I can have a gut reaction because I've got years of experience built into me. Yeah. Uh, it's like the Malcolm Gladwell, but Blink, it's that kind of thing. You can react to it. Mm. And your parents, people that love you and know you, they know you. So when you get them information about something that you're involved in and they know you, mm. they kind of say how you might react to it. So I listen to my parents now. I mean, they were 80, it's taken a bit of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's taken you a few years. Yeah. Um, and given the room is full of entrepreneurs who are, who are going to be pitching for investment very soon, many for the first time, I'm, I'm assuming as well, um, what kind of advice can you give them, given that you've been on both sides of the fence? I know it's quite a broad question. But so the first thing is, I mean, you're sort of different because you're pitching to Antler, so you know Antler. So normally you don't always know um, what they're looking for, or what their process is. So the mm. first thing is, it sounds boring, but you need to understand your audience, which is like anything else. <clears throat> so once who you're pitching to and what they want to hear. And then the second thing about that is, is you know, make sure that you're pitching to sounds obvious again, the right people. Like a lot of <clears throat> entrepreneurs are sort of looking for money from anywhere, they don't really care. Mm. Um, but in terms of the pitch, there's no, there's no real way of doing it. You know, I've in my course, I've said things about, you know, this is what you should put in your business plan, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's really about, you know, in startup land, it's about sort of communicating that your proposition, that your, at this stage, it's a hypothesis. You might have an app or an MVP or a prototype, whatever it might be, but it's a hypothesis. And it's trying to get across at this kind of early stage that your hypothesis holds water. That might well fail, and that's fine, by the way, but it's a question of, well, depends <laughs> who's putting the money in, but they accept that risk. <laughs> they accept that risk that it might fail, but it's getting across that your hypothesis is fully baked and that you've done your homework, mm. and there is a, a reasonable chance that if you find this product market fit and having something people want to buy, mm. and that you actually understand the <laughs> end customer. If you don't understand the end customer, you're wasting your time. So it's getting that across. But then, at this stage, it's about you. It's about you. It's about if you, uh, like I see the wall back there, you, you've chosen a lot of you co-founders, and it's about showing that, you know, you're not gonna fall out in two weeks, I was saying that. <clears throat> but it's, it's making sure that that dynamic um, works and that you present. I had an interesting thing the other day where I, I actually sent a friend of mine and um, about 10 years ago, he had a cloud business but similar to mine. And he said, I said, what do you want to do? And he said, I want to put TV cameras into space. I was like, you're nuts. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I'm, since I was a kid, I want to have a like, real-time video, a bit like, you know, Google Earth, yeah. real-time video. And I was like, right, okay. Do you want another drink? Anyway, so fast forward 10 years, he's now put TV cameras into space. No. So on a, on a satellite, so he's now putting uh, uh, geostationary cameras and he's putting basically CCTV on spaceships as well so that things go wrong, you can see what's going on. But he's wow. still now working out the, that's the kind of prototype mm. to, for the, that's called space hardened CCTV cameras basically. Yeah. And he sort of said, um, and I met a, a, quite a big, I won't mention the name, but quite a well-known uh, VC. I, I kind of worked with him on something. I said, go and talk to him. And he went and, went and met him. And, and I was, saw the, the VC and said, how did it go? He goes, great meeting. He's, 
you know, I'm not, I like the idea, and it's a good product, and I can see the market, but he's not really, his presentation skills aren't, I thought, because I, I know this guy, I said, mm. yeah. And he said, and what he said was really interesting. He said, I'm not convinced he can inspire great people to leave their jobs at a discount and salary to come and work for them. Mm. I think that was quite really insightful, actually. That yeah, yeah. It's, it, and the point I'm making is, I'll get back to it eventually, it's about you and it's about the team. Because if you don't have that, the hypothesis might not might fail when you go to market with it. Mm. But if you haven't got the right people involved and the investors aren't convinced by your ability to deliver on the plan, mm. your ability to pivot, your ability to lead, manage, uh, and your sort of passion and put the hours in, mm. then they're not going to write a check. I don't matter, I wonder how flashy your PowerPoint presentation is. <laughs> and that's the key to it at this stage. As you get, as you as you move out those concentric rings of investment, so you go from C to Series A to B to C to del to leverage buyouts out here, it's different. They start to look at the business. You know, it doesn't really matter the leverage buyout whether the whole board get hit by a bus tomorrow. It doesn't matter because they've got secure cash flows. It's irrelevant. As you move into that early stage, mm. the people matter. That's a really good answer. Um, and if they're successful. What should their first priority be? Generating sales? Yeah, so I learned the hard way as well is that I think I came out of a banking, Credit Suisse, and I went into um, the music industry actually and talent management. So managing DJs, I was going to Ibiza, I was all cuckoo. And then, I didn't um, know that part of your history. Oh, I've done it all, I'll tell you. A record <laughs> label, did it, I've done it all. And um, I kind of got out there and, and I started my own business. And, I, and you kind of think, oh, we're bright, we've got a business plan, we've put some money in, got some people back, got great people on the board, and we're building all this stuff, and it's going to be great, and there's a market. <laughs> there's something missing. Huh. And you forget to sell. And business, essentially, okay, again, how good it is, and even if it fails, to find out whether your hypothesis is going to work, you've got to sell. And this can be, um, how many of you are sort of B2B or B2C? Is it all B2B? So, so I've done, I've done more B2B than B2C, to be honest with you. And B2B, I've done, I've sold the whole entire communication system for BE systems. Uh, I've done tenders that took two, three years to do and succeeded. And I've done consumer, no matter what you do, whether it's digital marketing, whatever, you've got to sell from day one. A lot of entrepreneurs forget that. They're too busy lost mm. in the app or the team, or the next funding round, or yeah. blowing up their inflatable boardroom, whatever it might be, it's a business. <laughs> business is about selling stuff. And that is the only way you get feedback. And even when you're, I said this in my course, when you're trying to get your first customers, don't just give it away. You've got to test the process, the price point, the margins, Actually, you can give them a discount, obviously, to get it. Mm. But don't just give it away. Test the hypothesis. Test the pricing. Sound advice. Um, and what's still, given everything you're doing, what still excites you and gets you out of bed in the morning? I think it's exciting. People say it's exciting time to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. That's always going to be the case because things, the next more thing. things evolve <laughs> very quickly. I think, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to go into detail. You hear it a lot. But it's that, it's that inflection point now between... I've been a banker, so in banking you could you could see the world in sort of straight lines. So you could sort of look at growth, you could mm. tweak it in terms of the, the trend line, where it's gonna go. And now you're going to sort of exponential world. And when software starts writing software, mm. um, things are gonna change quite dramatically. And I don't think nobody knows what's gonna happen. The good thing is, is that um, I think entrepreneurs 
uh, are going to rule the world again. I mean, they still do. Most economies are built from entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. This one was in the UK. But the the opportunity now to work for yourself. So even when I started out, yeah, I had uh, I had a garden flat in uh, northwest London. We had um, this is what two thousand just dot com zero point one point zero. We had four ISDN lines. Half of you know what an ISDN line is. It's like a fat phone line. And um, <laughs> we had a six. I had my dining room table with six computers on. Big deep ones like that, not these thin screens. <laughs> and people sat there, I gave them the house keys. There was no like, you know, we work or anything like that. I gave them keys to my apartment and I was in a bedroom in the back. I was still late for work. I <laughs> the morning. But I had all this stuff. We had servers, we had tape drives, tape backups, nightmare. And now the beauty of it is, is that you can focus on the business of building a business. Not all that stuff mm. that you just need, you've got to have it mm. um, in the back end. So that I think sort of frees up entrepreneurs to be creative. Now I'm a trustee of Nesta, which is the UK's biggest innovation charity. Did a lot of research on the future of business, future of work. And what's really interesting is when you talk about the future of work, people think, oh, well, if you work in a warehouse or you're an Uber driver, you're, you've got a problem because a machine will do it for you quite soon. Accountants, they've got a problem. You know, machines add up pretty well, quite frank. Um, lawyers, they've got a problem. Because what's a lawyer do? I'm a lawyer. They look at a big data, big data set, mm. and they apply logic to it. Computers are quite good at doing that. So mm. everybody has got to move up this sort of value, value chain. Mm. And what the entrepreneur needs to do is look at the top of that and see where can you create the most value. And then the rest of it really is leave for the big boys. And that's where you're going to create a lot of value very quickly. So for the first time ever in 151 episodes, I'm not actually going to add any of my own insights because I don't think I can actually add anything to what Piers has already said. Um, and I've obviously listened back to my interview with him. Um, and I don't think I can actually add any more information. I mean, he's literally been there, done it, um, invented the T-shirt, made the T-shirt, invested in the T-shirt company, sold the T-shirt factory, um, and he's brought out a course about it as well. So um, as I mentioned before, I will pop the details in the show notes where you can follow the link that I will put in there. And you know everything, all the golden nuggets of information that you can take and implement in your own business are, are in that interview you just listened to. If you want more of that, if you think that can help you and it's a value, and if you're in business, I don't know anyone out there who I don't think couldn't benefit from Piers' wisdom, then simply follow the link and go and have a look at his course. Um, and if you'd like to see Piers in person, meet him, ask him your questions, then you can either enter our competition um, as detailed at the beginning of the show and you can go to the website that I mentioned earlier for more information. If you don't want to enter the competition, um, you just want to go straight there and grab a ticket. It's sunnybirdpr.com forward slash entrepreneur dash summit dash 2019. Or if you follow me at Alex Chisnell 
on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram, you'll find loads of posts about um, this autumn's event. We'd love to see you there. We'd love to meet a couple of you who win the competition. Those of you who don't win, um, make sure you come over and say hi as well. Grab yourselves a ticket. And um, this is going to be the entrepreneurial event of the year. Of that, I have no doubt. Thank you for listening. Have an awesome week. If you like this podcast and you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. You'll be able to see our upcoming events calendar for the UK. Pick up a ticket from as little as £10, which includes complimentary drinks and the opportunity to meet and connect with like-minded entrepreneurs, find a mentor or an investor. You'll also have the opportunity to meet our speakers and ask them your burning questions in person. Hope to see you there. If you're an entrepreneur looking to start or scale their business, then I'd love to help you. Being part of the Startup You community means we can help you in a number of ways. Simply go to Facebook and find Startup You Club through the different groups on there and join. We can help you in a number of different ways through daily inspiration and education, through to accessing funding, investment and mentoring. In fact, pretty much anything that you'll need on your startup journey. And if you've got a great story that you'd like to share, then I'd also love to hear from you. Just go to startupu.co.uk, click on the contact page and drop me a message. I'd also love to connect with you personally it's at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn and Twitter and at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. And if you enjoyed listening to this particular episode, then please subscribe. And I'd massively appreciate a review. All you need to do is click on the ratings and review tab on iTunes and leave us your thoughts on there. Until the next show, remember, don't wait. The time will never be right. Action always beats intention. So just screw it, just do it. This show is brought to you by RocketSpark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great-looking website. Each month, RocketSpark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screw it, just do it to enter.